0: hear me, Dirk?
1: Here, can we do a quick mic check. Can we do a quick mic check?
2: After 6 are we waiting for anyone or hmm? Who usually
3: brings it to order hmm? Who usually brings it to, hmm? brings the door to the vice <laughs> Yeah, I think the vice chair. <laughs> <or>, uh, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looks like uh uh the parents are out of out of town for the for the moment, so um, I believe you're, you're the vice chair, mm-hmm. so I believe you'll be calling the meeting to order. Did you get a script or a no? No. Oh, do we have a script for vice chair request? Yeah, yes, it would. <laughs>
3: I'm Netta, can you hear me? Um, I'm not sure, I, I, don't, I don't have a script. I, I can't hear I don't you. Have a Director Zayer, do, do you have a script um, by chance for the chair?
1: I, I don't. I'm sorry, Vice, Vice Chair, log request. If, if you needed one to get through the agenda, we can help you this evening if you're needing assistance on um, order proceedings. You'd open the hearing, uh, ask for a roll call from yeah. the clerk. And then move to public communications on the agenda and follow the agenda. So uh, we, we can assist you. Are you following? There, I apologize.
2: Okay. So, um,
3: Director Zayer, it, it's very soft. Can you try to speak up a little bit into the mic and see if that helps? Um, I'll check to see if it's better? on our end.
1: Is that better, Derek?
2: Uh, it's, a little, it's a little unclear. We can hear you, but it's uh, kind of muffled.
1: Okay, let me see if I can turn it up on my end.
4: Jenny, what I caught was you would call the meeting to order
0: and then you would do something. So okay. you got
2: it. I
1: have Can you hear me better?
2: Yes, that's a little bit better. Do we know where they keep the scripts? I wonder if I can find one. No. I do Okay. We don't we don't have them. I'm so sorry, I thought you had this already. Um, Okay.
1: Vice Chair Larkerquest, if you would like, uh, I know this is unconventional, um, I can assist with running the proceedings tonight if that helps.
2: She said she could assist in running the proceedings if that would help. I think that's a good idea, yes.
4: Yeah, just make sure I don't miss anything.
1: Sure, no problem. Happy to assist. Um, I am joining remotely this evening at a conference. Um, is everybody in the council chambers able to hear me?
2: Yes, we can hear you.
1: Okay. Um, then, Vice uh, Chair requests, this would be the time we would call the meeting to order and we would ask the. Uh, the clerk to, to do roll call of the commission.
4: Okay. Okay. Uh, so I would like to call the April 12th, 2023 um, Planning Commission meeting to order and request the city clerk to go ahead and do the roll call, please.
3: Thank you. Commissioner Abbey? Here. Commissioner Busa? Here. Commissioner Farley? Here. Commissioner McCarty? Absent. Commissioner Zucker?
0: Here.
3: Vice Chair Lagerquist? Here. And Chair Comden? Absent. Commissioners, Commissioner McCarty and Chair Comden are absent. Uh, Five members are present. We do have a quorum.
1: And this would be the time for any public communications from any members of the public who wish to speak on an item that is not on the agenda um, and uh, clerk do we have anybody who is present who'd like to speak on an item not on the agenda
3: thank you director Zayer we do not
1: anybody virtually attending who'd like to speak on an item not on the agenda
3: we have not received any speakers remotely
1: then vice chair log request this would be the time to move on to the consent items which there are two this evening one is uh, consent item one is the approval of the march 22nd planning commission meetings uh, and this would be the time if there's any members of the commission that have any questions or comments um, about the planning commission meeting minutes
4: do i need to say anything <laughs> she's i mean i i'm I- I yeah. can I can, I can do it for you if you're okay. Yeah, okay. I mean, I can do it. I don't mind. Okay. okay. Go for it. Okay, so this is the time for consent items. Uh, we'll move on to consent item number one, the approval of the March 22nd, 2023 planning commission meeting minutes. Um, planning commission, does anyone have any edits or recommendations? Okay. Uh, this, the staff's recommendation was to approve as presented uh, so now I request the city clerk to, to do the.
1: And if, if we... are there any members of the public who want to speak on consent item number one, Eric?
3: Uh, we have not received any speaker cards and there are no speakers on the chat. Great.
1: Then yes, by, by share log requests, this would be the time to take roll call.
4: Call the roll, yeah. Let's call the roll on consent item number one, please.
3: Commissioner Abbey. Yes. Commissioner Busa? Yes. Commissioner Farley? Yes. Commissioner Zucker? Yes. And Vice Chair Lackerquist? Yes. Okay,
5: moving on to
4: consent item number two. Same with item number two, Vice Chair Lackerquist.
2: Wait, what? Sorry, Ms. Ayer, I don't think we caught that.
1: Just oh, same process for item number two. Yeah.
4: Moving on to consent item number two, approval of the Planning Commission protocols. Uh, Does the Planning Commission have any comments, discussion? No? Go ahead. Commissioner Abbey?
6: Um, I just wanted to say thank you to staff for putting that together. It was very good seeing, again, the Rosenberg's rules of orders, um, the staff report, and the protocols.
4: Great. Thank you. Oh uh, do we have any comments from members of the public we do not and so can we go ahead and take the roll call for consent item number two
3: consent item number two Commissioner Abbey yes Commissioner Busa yes Commissioner Farley yes Commissioner Zucker yes and Vice Chair Lagerquist yes five eyes and the motion carries
4: All right, so then we'll move on to our formal items. Uh, Our first item is the 2024-2028 Capital Improvement Plan. Uh, I guess we have city staff that will be presenting.
1: That's correct, Vice Chair Quest. We're joined this evening by the Public Works Department. So we have um, Peter Shade and Chandra. Uh, Chandra, I'm not gonna pronounce your name correctly, so I will leave your last name correctly, so I will let you do that. Um, and not do it an injustice. Um, and they'll, they'll go ahead and present the item. Uh, this would be the time if staff has any ex communications on this item to do so before we begin the presentation.
2: Have there been any ex parte communications on this item? I'm seeing a lot of no's.
3: We have not received any comments on this.
1: So we, we can take staff's presentation and then there um, is an opportunity for staff questions
0: after their presentation.
7: Good evening, Planning Commission. My name is Peter Shade. I'm the Assistant Public Works Director and City Engineer. I'm joined today with uh, Chandra Chandra Chakra. He is uh, Associate civil engineer for the uh, in the the land development section of uh, public works okay so tonight we're here before your commission to uh, request conformance review of the proposed uh, 2024 to 2028 capital improvement program i'm going to to present uh, some background on some of the projects that have been completed in the last year, and then Chandra will uh, take us through um, the CIP request before you tonight. So here's one of the, of the projects that we completed this last year, Highway 126 bath, uh, bike path closure. Um, it's along 126, just west of the um, confluence of 126 and 101 on the um, eastbound side of the freeway and the purpose of the project was to extend the current bike path along um, the mobile home park at that location. Here's another project that we is, was completed last year, the Ventura Water Reclamation Facility Site Security. Um, mainly what was done was some, some lighting improvements, some security cameras, some key to entry improvements. Um, that was for the uh, water reclamation facility. Another project that was completed was the resurfacing of Victoria. This was between uh, the Telephone Road and Ralston along both sides of Victoria. There were also improvements made to sidewalk, uh, sidewalks, including uh, sidewalk ramps at intersections. The next project that uh, we've completed in the last year was the Arroyo Verde Park Playground rebuild. This was uh, an inclusive uh, uh, project, uh, playground project. So, uh, this was this project, as you can see from the before photo. This was damaged during the Thomas Fire. Uh, the city decided to take the time to uh, to upgrade the facility to be an inclusive facility, so it can be accessed uh, by kids of uh, varying degrees of accessibility. And it won the APWA project of the year uh, for our Ventura County chapter. Next is a project that we're just in the final phases of. This is the Montalvo Safe Routes to School project, grant funded project that has a variety of sidewalk improvements and um, access ramps for street crossing improvements. The middle photo is Currently, what, what it looks like, or at least the last time it rained from the photo. Uh, what we have remaining is some irrigation elements to complete and some striping, and the project uh, will at that point be complete. One last thing I wanted to mention was if you are at all interested in some of the projects that are in the final stages of, of design, all the way through construction. Public Works has a website uh, page shown here at the top. It's an interactive map. At about 60% design phase, we we put projects into this system, and that shows whether it's in design, uh, out to bid, or in construction. And uh, whether you're somebody on the commission or a citizen, you can go take a look to see what projects are in the neighborhood that you may live in or of interest to you. So with that, I'll turn it over to Chandra to take us through the projects for this current CIP.
8: Thank you, Peter. Um, Good evening, Madam Chair and members of the Planning Commission. Um, The item before you is the proposed 2024-28 Capital Improvement Program. What it uh, consists of is the adopted 2023-27 program with uh, new project additions and modifications. There are a total of 14 new projects. Five projects get deleted. Those are all identified in attachment A of your staff report. These are the four, uh, seven projects up of the 14 that are there. Next slide, please. There are three public art projects. And then, next slide. We have four unplanned projects which don't have any funding. And so these will not be part of your uh, review as part of the conformance. Next slide, please. So the Fair Practices Commission regulates the conflicts of interest depending on the distance from the private property to the project. And I think uh, Chris may have talked to the individual uh, commissioners who may have conflicts of interest. Next project.
2: Yes, I did so. I spoke individually to the four of you who have uh, potential conflicts.
8: Right. And uh, so staff has identified uh, the potential conflicts. So for the residential street sidewalk and Hawk Signal Project, the potential conflict would be for Commissioners Abbey and Commissioners Farley. The sewer line replacement Pierpont Force Main would be a potential conflict for Commissioner McCarty, who is absent, so we need to roll this resolution to the final resolution. The sewer line repair replacement west side uh, would be a potential conflict for Commissioner Zucker. So for the conformance review, what staff has done is uh, link the projects to goals, policies, and actions of the 2005 general plan There are nine out of the 10 projects that we are reviewing that are in the local coastal zone. And so for those, we need to go back to the 1989 comprehensive plan and link those projects uh, to the uh, policies and actions. So each resolution has this exhibit A, which has these linkages to the comprehensive plan and general plan uh, policies, actions next slide staff is recommending that uh, planning C- commission adopt these resolutions next slide. that concludes our presentation if you have any questions we are here to answer them
1: and if I could just add one uh, quick comment at the end of this presentation um, the to give you some background too on the capital improvement plan the City Council's role in the CIP is that they review the budget, scope of projects, locations, funding, and that breadth of the CIP, um, the specific role that planning commission uh, plays in this process is to look at those projects that are identified if they conform to the policies and actions that are laid out in our general plan to make sure that they are conforming to the direction and the vision that was laid out. um, specifically, as it relates to these projects, it is um, an exercise of does that align with our policies and, and actions and goals with what we have laid out or not? And um, the staff report and attachments lay out the linkages between those actions and policies um, to the projects that are being proposed in the CIP. I wanted to, to clarify that piece. And then Vice Chair Lagerquist, this would be the time if the Planning Commission has any questions of staff um, to ask those questions before opening it up for public comment.
4: Go ahead, Commissioner Abbey.
6: Thank you, uh, Vice Chair Lagerquist. Uh, Mr. Shade, thank you for coming tonight. Um, Could you bring up the uh, slide again, the first item? I believe it was the staircase for the parking structure at the beach. Uh, Let's see, maybe. Yes, the beach parking parking structure, southeast stair tower replacement. Basically, we're just here tonight. Uh, This isn't the thorough once every two year review that we did last year. This is the, just kind of did these get in, categorized into the right category, correct?
7: Yes, these are these are the projects that have been added at at the as on the off year. So, every two years we do a major revision to our capital improvement program, where we look at all the projects, the budgets, prioritization of those projects, and and then in the off year, we just look at um, uh, new projects that have been brought into the CIP.
6: Okay, so for the beach parking structure, southeast stair tower replacement. Program area is coastal. Uh, let's see. So, what year is this? It says start fiscal year 23. So, this year par- partially funded for design only, and this project is expected at this point to conclude when? Or would we know that?
7: We, we currently don't know when it would be completed. We haven't identified the funding to uh, implement the project. the uh, the the, uh, the project is to replace. The, the stairway on the southeast corner of the parking structure, currently it is separating from the parking structure. It's a ADA uh, uh, issue and currently we don't have, because of that, and the safety is associated with not having that access for emergency, um, the top three floors of the parking structure are not currently open.
6: Okay, and that's a uh, how many floor parking structure? Is it four or five?
7: Uh, it's, I, th- I believe it's a, a five-story, including the bottom.
6: Okay, so the the bottom and the second are functional, and the right. top three because of this. Okay, right. that was my only question. Thank you, Mr. Shady.
4: Commissioner Zucker.
9: Thank you, uh, I uh, first off just really wanted to commend the department on the the work on Arroyo Verde, the the playground. Got a got yeah, A toddler and and just yeah just really really incredible job. I mean I think that's probably one of the best best parks in the county. Um, and uh, and as well you know happy to see the, the Portland Lou um, you know for downtown. I think um, the the Portland Lou at Kellogg Park on the west side is has been a success in terms of you know public accessible bathrooms and um, yeah so that's that's great. Um, I had two quick questions. Um, one is about the the residential street sidewalk and hawk signal project on in montalvo and satequay is, is that um work because montal and parts of montalvo and satequay were formerly unincorporated and, and uh...
8: it is uh, it is that uh, sidewalk improvements pedestrian access and safe crossings Yes,
9: that's great i'm trying to remember if, from last time I know you know on the on the west side there are also some streets that that are missing sidewalks and and there's been some work done uh, you know in in recent years on that and do you know is there more kind of in the in the CIP on on some of those streets
7: we we do uh, every year we have sidewalk improvements throughout the city Uh, there this project is the hot signal is on telephone so it connects uh, south of telephone to the trail that, that runs north, um, where the eucalyptus trees uh, run, you know, north south, and and then the other component is also some sidewalk improvements from the farm to Atlas School, and so that area of Saticoy, uh, that's that's the main add. The hawk signal actually was part of the safe routes to school that we're completing right now, but there just wasn't adequate funding to include this element, so. That design actually is already completed. Um, the next part of the design we'll need to work on is the one in Saticoy.
9: That's great. Well, it's, it's great to see the, some of the work you know being done. I think some of our city's most disadvantaged communities around street safety. And um, yes, thank you for that. Um, my uh, second question, just a just a more general, broad question. Just curious, you know, since uh, you know this is this is kind of our one opportunity to get to to speak to, to Public Works. Um, uh, just curious, how have all the all the recent storms we experienced this winter kind of affected your department's kind of thinking around stormwater management and flooding and all that? I,
7: I would say that probably the biggest impact from the floods have been on our streets. Uh, our, our streets have uh, have had some cracking before the rain, and the rain has just exacerbated the impact what of time? that cracking that was there. Um, our staff and I—I I didn't show a slide here, but uh, we have actually a pothole hotline. webpage hotline, and a webpage shows all the potholes per month. And uh, the the month of March, we did about triple this year as we did last year in March. So, um, so the the impacts of the streets have been significant. Um, we did see some flooding around the city uh, during the winter. Um, I think there. Thompson was closed for a period. Sanjone at Harbor closed a number of times. Um, uh, But overall, I think we fared pretty well. Great,
9: thanks so much. Any
4: other questions? I have just a couple questions. Um, One is for the project that we have two conflicts of interest, do we have a quorum in order to vote on it? Do we need to remove that?
2: The one with two conflicts of interest. I believe the one of the conflicts was you know, Commissioner McCarthy. Oh.
1: If we could he was on the other one. first make any public comments, if there are public comments, and then close the public hearing for deliberation and action.
4: so is this just an exercise in procedure or if, if for some reason we found that it wasn't didn't match the policies then how it how is that addressed I'm just curious
2: I'm not sure I'm prepared to answer that question today uh, if, if you did find that the that uh, um, any of these projects do not conform to policies I suppose we'll deal with that as it comes okay. um, <laughs> but for the moment uh, while the order of events is not um, ideal we are required, you you are required to make this determination.
4: I just wanted the Commission to, I'm I'm sorry, I didn't have my thing on. I just wanted the Commission to be, um, you know, prepared for whatever that might hold. So, okay. Um, That is all the questions I have, or is everyone good? And then we can open it up for any public comment that is available.
3: Thank you, Vice Chair. Uh, We have not received any public comments on this item.
4: Okay, thank you. So now we can open up for deliberation and discussion on my question, I guess.
2: The quorum question? Yes. I, Mr. Rappin.
6: Um In the past, uh, when we had uh, procedural questions like that and there wasn't a quorum, I believe the city attorney's office had said if there isn't a quorum, then the people who are, were supposed to recuse, they have to draw lots so that one of them can provide the quorum. Does that sound familiar?
2: Uh, I have not been here for this process before, so I, I'm, I can't speak to that. Um,
6: I don't think we've actually had that, but that was suggested by a former city attorney that that's how they would handle it. Which um, city
2: attorney, if you don't mind me asking?
6: Um, Greg.
2: Are, are you Greg Diaz? Greg Diaz, yeah. OK. Um, If that's what's been done before, I suppose we could do that now. The the alternative would be to put put that one item over for the next meeting, which might be the safer solution. Yeah,
6: I have no objection either way.
1: I'm sorry, I didn't catch the question that was asked. Is there one of the items where if two people recuse, we don't have a quorum?
2: Correct.
4: So we only have three commissioners for one of the items.
1: Yeah, so my understanding is um, when you have five members here and you act as a five-member body, even if there are absent uh, commissioners. So if there are three people present who can vote on an item, uh, those three people would, would be a quorum on that item. Now, if one votes no, then that item doesn't pass.
2: Why don't we put off voting for that one until the other three have been heard? Give me a minute and I'll see if I can confirm that.
1: So we can take the other three resolutions or, um, and, and leave that one for last, if that is okay, by share log request.
4: Yes. And I, before we move forward, though, I wanted to ask the commission if they had any other discussions before we move on to splitting that all out. And... Okay. So then do we need to make a motion that removes that one item from the, the roll call?
2: Uh, we don't need to make a motion to remove it Uh, we'll just just hear it we can just hear it out of order I believe that should be fine if is it first
4: so I
9: I, because because we need three or four different motions because we have to split
10: each
4: yeah so that's what I'm asking do we need separate motions to
2: oh there already are separate motions there are there are four separate resolutions Chandra, can you make sure that the contested one is last?
8: Yes. Um, so that would be project number 91158. We would defer that uh, until uh, Chris can decide what happens with that. Yes, thank you. Uh, we can uh, move on to project number uh, 96973, the sewer line repair replacement for the west side, and Commissioner Zucker would be the one that would be would have the potential conflict.
9: And I'll I'll recuse myself from that.
2: Could you please leave the room for the, this vote? Thank you.
6: You can just go back there. There's a.
4: Okay, so we're gonna move forward and request a motion for the approval of 96973. Is that correct?
2: That's correct, yes.
4: Okay, do I have a? Motion. I so move. Mr. Abbey, do I have a second? Second. City uh, Clerk, could you take the roll, please?
3: We have a motion and a second on item 3, Project 96973. Commissioner Abbey? Yes. Commissioner Busa? Yes. Commissioner Farley? Yes. And Vice Chair Lagerquist? Yes. Uh, we have a quorum, and the motion carries. Four ayes.
4: Great, thank you. Okay, so we'll move on to, um, do I have a motion for project number 969? Oh yeah, we have to get, (laughs) (laughs) sorry. Okay, Okay. sorry, we have to get Lucas Zucker back. (laughs) I almost discounted you from the second one, sorry. (laughs) Okay, so we're moving on to uh, project number 96971.
8: We combine it with the remaining projects that will be the last resol- resolution
4: i can i they're separated in the agenda so i didn't know whether i should combine them or
8: we can combine both right
4: so i can do 96971 and the remaining to... projects
2: sorry I, I missed the beginning of that what
4: so they he's saying that i can combine nine six nine seven one and the remaining projects into the
2: next since commissioner mccarty is not here yes
4: okay
2: i mean they are separate Uh, Items we do need to hear separate votes on them though. Oh well, that's okay. Sorry. Sorry, I misunderstood the question Okay,
4: Okay, so just nine (laughs) six nine seven one I move to approve nine six nine seven one. Thank you. Second. Thank you Clerk could you take the roll please?
3: On item three project nine six nine seven one We have a motion and a second Commissioner Abbey yes Commissioner Busa? yes Commissioner Farley? Yes. Commissioner Zucker? Yes. Vice Chair Lagerquist? Yes. Five ayes and the motion carries.
4: Thank you. And moving on to the final one, which is all the remaining projects. Do I have a motion? Move to approve that one. Thank you, Commissioner Zucker? I second that. Thank you, Commissioner Abbey. City Clerk, can we take a roll call on the final one, please?
3: Thank you, Vice Chair. We have a motion and a second. Commissioner Abbey? yes. Commissioner Busa, yes. Commissioner Farley, yes. Commissioner Zucker, yes. And Vice Chair request yes. Five eyes and the motion carries.
4: All right. I think that's it for that.
2: Unfortunately, I have not had a chance to conclusively answer the question. Um, my recommendation would be to to push this this matter to the next meeting.
1: Chris, can I make a recommendation? Can we take a vote on this? And should we find out that uh, it was in, a, in ineffective, that we'll bring it back to the next one?
2: I, that's fine. I think that would work. Uh, we'll take a vote. If we find in the future that it was ineffective, we can just re- revisit it at the next the next meeting.
4: So, what we're voting on whether to we're revisit. we're voting
2: on the matter. Um, notwithstanding the potential issue with the quorum. uh, If I determine later that it's in an effective vote, we'll simply revisit it at the next meeting. Yes? Uh, Question
6: on order. So uh, does Commissioner Farley and I need to leave the room right now? Yes. (laughs) Okay.
2: Yes, based on my initial read, uh, as a practical matter, the quorum still exists, their votes are simply treated as abstentions. So I believe we should be able to secure a majority. I believe. I will confirm that at a future date.
0: I okay. will move to approve 91158.
3: I'll second.
4: City Clerk, could you take the roll call, please?
3: Thank you, Vice Chair. Commissioner Busa? Yes. Commissioner Zucker? Yes. Vice Chair Lackerquist? Yes. Three ayes and the motion carries. Thank you.
4: Yeah, thank you. And thank you, staff, for your information. We do enjoy Public Works coming to join us, it's nice.
7: Thank you. Thank you.
4: All right, I think we can move on to our informational items um, we have three do, do, do we just do these one by one and okay so let's start with informational item number four the Brown Act and procedures training
1: when I request as a matter of procedure we we can give the presentation allow the public to, um, to comment and then bring it back to the Planning Commission for questions or comments.
4: Thank you. Got it.
2: Good evening, Commissioners. Thank you for being here tonight, I appreciate your time. I know this is a special meeting and uh, (laughs) you all took time out of your busy schedules to be here, so thank you for that. Our first item this evening is the Brown Act. Uh, my goal with this presentation is to help the council understand, help the Commission understand the details of the Brown Act, as well as new developments that have occurred uh, in recent years, in particular uh, in response to changes of social media. So first, what is the policy behind the Brown Act? Why was it created? It was designed to ensure that deliberations, as well as actions of local public agencies, are performed at meetings open to the public And free from any veil of secrecy the Brown Act applies to any legislative body at public meetings regarding items of business on an agenda and I'm going to go over what each of those things mean a legislative body uh, that includes the governing body of the local agency in our case the City Council as well as commissions such as this Commission committees and boards Uh, clearly it applies to the Planning Commission or we wouldn't be having this presentation at the moment A meeting is any congregation of a majority of a legislative body to hear, discuss, deliberate, or take action on any item within the subject matter jurisdiction of that legislative body. Uh, One very important thing to be concerned about is uh, what are called unintentional meetings, uh, particularly the so-called serial meeting. A serial meeting occurs when there's a chain of communications, and that could be letters, it could be phone calls, emails. Each of which involves less than a quorum of the legislative body, but which collectively involve a majority of the body's members on a matter within their purview. Communications may be direct or through their intermediaries, they can be as small as a circulating letter for a signature. Uh, Let's see here. Email is the biggest source of concern with respect to serial meetings. Uh, be aware of uh, the major problems buttons if you send something you send an email you lose control of that communication it can be forwarded to anyone Uh, anyone could eventually see it including if the majority of the other commissioners in which case a serial meeting will have occurred same thing with the forward button this can create a string of communications which together include the majority of commissioners even if they're not included in a single message and reply all is especially problematic and if any email chain contains a majority of the Commission simply replying all is a serial meeting and a potential brown act violation and by expressing your opinion on a matter within the within the purview of the planning commission in a reply to all email including your fellow commissioners a brown act violation has occurred commissioners should be cautious with the with the other internet communications and social media Uh, effective january 21 january of 2021 The legislature enacted AB 992, which established that social media communications so this includes Facebook, uh, pretty much everything, uh, qualify within the scope of the Brown Act. Uh, And simply posting general information without a personal opinion is probably fine. However, any social media communications with other officials about matters under the body's jurisdiction, even if those communications happen only between two members or less than a quorum, violates the Brown Act. There are a number of exceptions to what constitutes a meeting under the Brown Act. Uh, the first is individual contacts with members of the public. That's part of your job. Uh, you can have a conversation with a member of the planning staff uh, or a member of the public without any concern. Uh, in fact, that's literally part of what you're, what you're meant to do. Uh, so if you run into a friend at the supermarket and they ask you about any updates on a project, you can feel free to talk to them. Uh, commissioners can also attend public or educational conferences on matter of general, matters of general interest. Without implicating the Brown Act. In addition, publicized and public meetings to discuss a topic of local community concern organized by someone other than a city are also allowed. Uh, and then lastly, commissioners can attend open and noticed meetings of another body or of the public agency. So for example, the Planning Commission members could attend a city council meeting without having to notice to notice a meeting of the Planning Commission. What are the notice requirements for a meeting? Uh, You can see there are three different types. Uh, For regular meetings, it's 72 hours. Special meetings, 24 hours. Emergency meetings, one hour. I think emergency meetings for the Planning Commission are fairly unlikely, but I suppose that's possible. Um, A regular meeting, the agenda must contain a brief general description of all items to be discussed or acted upon. Uh, special meeting uh, must state the business to be transactioned or discussed. Uh, And then emergency meetings only occur um, under a, quote, dire emergency if there are no telephones available. What is in a meeting agenda? Uh, The statement of the date, time and place, a brief description of the nature of each item, uh, notations for staff reports and other documents on file, and the identity of the project's CEQA compliance if applicable. There are certain, in general, meeting discussion. uh, In general, meeting discussions should be limited to items on the agenda, but other non-agenda items are allowed in certain circumstances. Often, these will come up during public comments. There are a few examples on the slide. Um, The legislative body uh, or staff person may briefly respond to questions or comments made by the public. So, for example, if somebody is asking about the status of a project, you can provide an estimated completion date if you know it, or refer the inquiry to a better source if it's outside of your own knowledge. There are different rules on per, uh, virtual participation uh, that have evolved since uh, COVID. The traditional rules you can still follow. Um, each remote location must be identified in the notice and the agenda, uh, including the full address of wherever the person is located. And that must be made available to the public. Uh, the vote must be by roll call. Uh, it must have a, at least a quorum must participate within the boundaries of the territory. So that's exclusive of whoever's appearing remotely. And the agenda must provide notice of how the public can participate and it must be posted at each remote location. As I just said, uh, that body of rules has shifted in recent years uh, under AB 2449. Members may promote, uh, excuse me, participate remotely if there's a personal emergency or under quote, just cause circumstances. The The big change is that remote locations do not need to be disclosed to the public. Uh, The virtual participation must be both audio and visual, uh, and you must disclose anybody present at your location over the age of 18 and their relationship to that person. Uh, There's still an in-person quorum requirement, and the agenda must provide notice of how the public can participate. What does Answer. just cause mean? We've listed a few examples, uh, childcare or family caregiving issues, contagious illnesses, uh, need related to physical or mental disability, official business travel, but not vacation. Um, and then you see the notice requirements there. These exceptions are are different from the exception for a personal emergency. Uh, this requires action by the commission to approve the emergency re- remote per- participation. And there are limitations on the total amount of time that can be spent remotely by any given commission member. Uh, the public has the right to address the legislative body concerning items of interest to the public within the subject matter jurisdiction of that body and before action is taken by the body in special meetings the public is limited to commenting only on items listed in the notice and generally uh, there's a speaker time limit three minutes is considered reasonable or twice uh, if it's a non English speaker who requires a translator. Public conduct, Uh, the commission may set rules of decorum uh, concerning things like yelling, clapping, demonstrations. If there is disruptive behavior, the commission is empowered to take action to prevent that. Um, Often the best course of action, if there is a disruption, is to just call for a short break. Barring that, the presiding member may remove the disruptive individual, but not before providing a, 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 a warning to them that that could take place. Under extreme circumstances, the commission is empowered to clear the room and continue the meeting uh, only if it is quote, willfully interrupted by a group and order cannot be restored by the removal of individuals. Uh, Then you can continue on with the agenda items. The media may remain if not part of this disruption. Closed sessions, this is another thing that's probably unlikely to come up for the planning commission. Uh, There are a number of enumerated circumstances authorizing a closed session Uh, real property negotiations, there's a list of them here. Litigation is very common uh, for the city council. Uh, Closed sessions need to be reported uh, under certain circumstances. Generally, if there's a completion of an item, uh, completion of real property negotiations, approval of labor negotiations, um, some kind of conclusive action regarding employment, a new hire, disciplinary action, et cetera, or an actual settlement of litigation. Voting in closed sessions or voting in general. Uh, There are no secret ballots. Votes of all members present must be recorded. And then finally, what does the public, or what is available if there's a Brown Act uh, violation? What enforcement actions can take place? There are potential criminal penalties. Uh, It is a misdemeanor if both the action is taken in a meeting uh, as described above, and the action includes Uh, collective decision commitment promised by a majority of a body rather than mere deliberation and uh, the member intends to withhold information from the public that's a misdemeanor Uh, the Ventura DA's office was one one of the first in the state to prosecute for Brown Act violations and it's been a leader in the area since then so there is an actual risk of criminal prosecution in Ventura County civil enforcement is probably more common uh, in most circumstances, I would think involving the Planning Commission, and the greatest problem, or the greatest uh, likely remedy, uh, most concerning likely remedy is that uh, it might void the action taken by the by the Commission. And we've added a few extra slides here regarding Commissioner roles and your authority. So this is outside of the Brown Act now. Uh, The Santa Barbara Municipal Code, or excuse me, San Buenaventura Municipal Code uh, was added to the commission boards and committee ordinance to ensure that individual members understand their role and the purpose of the commission uh, to which they're appointed uh, and to ensure that you do not utilize that appointment to service your own personal agenda or motives. Individual members appointed to a commission, board, or committee cannot interfere with the duties and powers of the city manager, department head, or staff. Additionally, they may not provide orders, publicly or privately, to the city manager, department heads, or city staff. If any individual commissioner does not abide by this new section, they can be uh, required to forfeit their office and could be removed by the city council. Uh, This this language is comparable to to language that was already in uh, the municipal code with respect to city council members. There is a commissioner handbook. Uh, The uh, address is listed on the slide. Uh, this is a great resource for all of you if you have questions about your role and the scope And lastly, what is the role of specifically the Planning Commission uh, your role as a body per? Uh, SPMC the planning is is to act as an advisory body you make recommendations to the City Council regarding any proposed changes to the general or specific plans zoning changes or proposed development agreements The Planning Commission is also empowered to hear, review, and act on applications and associated environmental determinations in accordance with the city's zoning ordinances. Lastly, the Planning Commission may be called upon to review, advise, recommend, or act on other planning or land use related matters as directed by the city council. And it's important for the commissioners to remember that when you're making recommendations on planning applications, you're acting in a quasi-judicial role That means that you are, to some extent, stepping into the role of an administrative judge, which means you are constrained to analyze the facts presented within the boundaries of the laws and ordinances relevant to those decisions. And just as with a judge, it may be the case that you disagree with a given policy as it's enacted by the law. But you are bound, when engaging a quasi-judicial act, uh, to follow the law as it is, as opposed to how you might prefer it to be. And with that, are there any questions? Any public comments?
4: City Clerk, do we have any public comments on information? Thank you, Vice
3: Chair. We do have one speaker, Uh, Judy Alexander. Okay. I apologize. We don't have any speakers on this item.
11: Great. Thank you.
4: So we can move on to informational item number five, State Density Bonus Training, also being um, presented by our City Attorney. You I'm going to
2: monopolize the rest of your evening if I can. Perfect. Now we're going to go over California's density bonus law. Uh, you can see the government code up there. What is the density bonus law? Uh, the state density bonus law is a powerful tool for developers to include very low, low, and moderate income housing units into their new developments in exchange for a mandatory bonus over the maximum allowed density in a given area. I'm going to, you're going to hear me repeat the word mandatory several times tonight. Uh, It's a very important aspect of this law. The purpose is to offer incentives to developers to create housing which will contribute significantly to the economic feasibility of lower income households, uh, housing, uh, in proposed housing developments. Why was this law enacted? Uh, This is per the legislature, that's what the quote's from. The availability, the state legislature has determined that the availability of housing is of vital statewide importance, this is written into the law, and has determined that state and local governments have a responsibility to, quote, make adequate provision for the housing needs of all economic segments of the community. A couple of uh, items of terminology. A density bonus is a density increase over the otherwise maximum allowable gross residential density as of the date of the application by the applicant to the city. And this does not include any units added by state or local density bonuses. A housing development is essentially what you'd expect. It's essentially any development project for five or more residential units, and that does include mixed-use projects. The bonus is as I said mandatory if the project meets one of these criteria Uh, 10% low 5% very low income senior housing generally speaking means uh, housing for people over the age of 55 but there is somewhat more precise statutory definition a common interest development is any group of housing units which share common rights and duties related to the common areas the most uh, regularly understood example would be a condominium complex. Student housing refers to housing for full-time students at an accredited college and keep in mind that units required by the city's inclusionary housing ordinance, which was passed by this body, do qualify for the density bonus. So virtually anything that's going to be appearing in the future will, will almost certainly qualify for the density bonus as a matter of course. What does the developer get? They get the density bonus, and I'm going to talk about what all these things are. Uh, incentives and concessions waivers or reductions of development standards and prescribed parking ratios the density bonus allows for additional units above those max the maximum authorized by zoning based on the percentage and type of affordable units included in the project And I'm going to give an example in a minute Um, the statute includes several tables uh, delineating precisely what the bonus is for a given volume of additional units And in general, the higher the percentage of affordable units, the higher the density bonus, uh, which economic category is also a factor. So as a sample, uh, let's assume the maximum allowed density is 54 units per acre. Uh, A a developer proposes a project with 100 units, 10 of which are low income. That means a 10% low income units. Per the chart and the statute, the developer would be entitled to a density bonus of 20% for a new per acre unit total of 64.8, which we round up to 65 units per acre. There are a couple of notes about that calculation. Uh, One is that we always round up the unit total. Uh, The other is that the density bonus is different depending on the type of affordable units. So for example, if we kept the same example if those 10 low income units were very low income, developer would be entitled to a 32.5% increase per the table in the statute as opposed to the 20% that I cited a minute ago. Uh, and a senior development uh, is entitled to a 20% density bonus even if none of the units are affordable. And then the amount scales up from there. What are incentives and concessions? Incentives and concessions, uh, as an incentive or concession is a reduction in site development standards or a modification of zoning code requirements or architectural design requirements that exceed the minimum building standards and that result in an identifiable and actual co- or result in identifiable and actual cost reductions. The total amount allowed is tied to the percentage and type of affordable units. Again, this is spelled out in the statute. There's a table. Uh, examples of set incentives and concessions include setbacks, height limitations, uh, and any other requirements imposed by quote any ordinance, general plan element, specific plan, charter, or other law or regulation. We can contrast these with waivers and reductions, which is the next set. Um, A city must grant a waiver or reduction of development standards, which would have the effect of physically precluding the construction of a development at the requested density, or with the requested incentives permitted by the density bonus law, if that waiver or reduction is requested by the developer. We don't have to voluntarily do it. If they request it, we're required to grant it. If if not granting it, it would physically preclude construction at the requested density. Uh, so, a really common example is uh, if the structure cannot physically be built without violating Ventura's height limitation ordinance, that limitation must be waived. So the key differences between waivers and concessions, and or excuse me, incentives and concessions and waivers and reductions are that incentives and con- concessions uh, have a limited, there's a limited amount, it's set by statute, uh, and it's tied to the number of affordable units, and there's no requirement that they that not granting them would be, would physically preclude construction of the, of the project at the requested density. Uh, the developer gets to pick which incentives or concessions they want. By contrast, waivers and redu- for waivers and reductions, theoretically there's no limit to how many must be granted. The only limitation is that the, the not granting them must physically preclude construction of the project. The effect on co- the effect of cost of the project is not relevant to this, uh, this analysis. Lastly, we have parking ratios. This is fairly straightforward. Um, parking uh, provides parking requirement reductions for qualifying projects based on the number of bedrooms and other related factors. Uh, as with other incentives, these reductions are mandatory for a qualifying project if requested by the developer and they are in addition to the other benefits. So you, it's not a trade off. I'm gonna talk a little bit about burden of proof. Uh, First, what do I mean by burden of proof? Uh, As probably most of you know, in any lawsuit or a criminal trial, each party has certain things that it is their job to show with relevant evidence, and there are different standards depending on the context. Most famous being the beyond a reasonable doubt standard uh, in criminal law. That is the prosecutor's burden, uh, and it is generally considered the highest burden in the law. Uh, How does that apply here? The developer must provide to the city in their application reasonable documentation that the project qualifies for the density bonus. They will almost always meet this burden simply by submitting an application which shows that the project has the requisite percentage of affordable housing. Uh, they can achieve, achieve the same thing for waivers or reductions with a, with a simple showing that the project couldn't physically be built at the requested density without the requested waiver or reduction. I'm going to talk a little bit about preemption. Uh, laws at higher government, higher levels of government, generally take precedence over laws at lower levels. So the higher level laws preempt the lower level laws. Uh, in general, federal law trumps state law, which trumps state, which trumps local ordinances. So, for example, um, the city cannot require a developer to demonstrate that its project is not economically feasible without the requested density bonus incentive or concession, because that's the city's burden of proof. Uh, The city is required to prove that the, in order to deny a project, uh, that the project is not economically feasible. They can't shift that burden onto the developer. Similarly the city cannot request, cannot apply a development standard which would physically preclude building the project because the city is required by the statute to waive or reduce such a standard if doing so is necessary for the project to be physically built at the requested density. What findings are required to deny a project? Uh, The city must make a showing that the concessions or incentive requested by the developer does not, quote, results, quote, in an identifiable and actual cost reduction to provide for affordable housing costs or for rents to be set at the level specified. Again, this is the city's burden, and the city cannot shift that burden onto the developer as a precondition for granting the project. Uh, Or the city must show... A specific Id- adverse impact upon the public uh, health, safety, and physical environment, or physical environment of real property listed in the California Register of Historical Resources. I couldn't find a single example of this in researching this. It's a relatively new law; it hasn't been tested very much. So, unfortunately, I don't even know what this would look like. Uh, but it's something to keep an eye out for. Similarly if we could show that the project is contrary to state or federal law and again I've done some research on this and I have yet to find an example of any, any city successfully denying a project on this basis What are the developers remedies for the city's non-compliance with this they can file a lawsuit uh, If the developer files a lawsuit the city would bear most of the burden of proof um, this is universally an uphill battle for the city if the developer wins it would be entitled to recover its attorney's fees incurred in prosecuting the lawsuit in addition and to and most likely being awarded compensatory damages for any delays to the project uh, and almost certainly an order requiring the city to process the application as it is. I've got a few other issues uh, the city may not impose inclusionary zoning or in lieu fees on density bonus affordable units that's just Those units, not the whole project, just the affordable units. Um, Development projects that are 100% affordable have additional or could be additional for uh, additional benefits, excuse me, eligible for additional benefits uh, in terms of base density and bonus density under certain circumstances. The developer generally must agree to the continued affordability of qualifying units, and usually this is accomplished through uh, recordable restrictions on the deed uh, for 55 plus years. And finally affordable units have to have equal access to common areas and amenities and may not be segregated from the market rate units. Uh, in conclusion as I've said a few times now the density bonus law is mandatory. The burden is on the city to make findings based on substantial evidence to avoid granting bonuses and related incentives or to deny a project generally. And the city cannot sidestep density bonus requirements with local ordinances or requirements because of the preemption requirement. And with that, are there any questions? Important uh,
9: question, and I, I think this may have come up uh, okay. on a. On, oh, sorry, it may have come up on a on a project a few years ago, um, when when it says, you know, that you can qualify the same density bonus for five percent very low or ten percent low. Um, who gets to choose? Is it is it the applicant or is it us? do do we get can we
2: tell applicant oh we'd rather have say ten percent low versus five percent very low it's it's up to the applicant i mean certainly city staff can work with the applicant if they if they want to but there's no requirement Great. thank
10: you i
1: can add a bit of information now that we have a permanent inclusionary housing ordinance that's going into effect in july they would be required to provide the mix identified there if they want to go above that requirement, then they choose what mix they wanna do.
2: Thank you, Ms. Ayer. that's a um, good qualifier.
4: Commissioner Abbey?
1: Yeah, I have
6: a question. Um, on our agenda, the staff report didn't match the slides that were presented. In fact, it uh, for an item number five, state density bonus training, um, the staff report was actually Item number four and item number four, Brown Act and procedures training, didn't have a staff report link, hyperlink as well. Would would you be able to um, provide, not necessarily right now, but uh, either at or prior to our next Planning Commission meeting, supply that report, uh, paper copy? Yes,
2: I could. I'm surprised it's not there. Uh, My understanding was that it was. Uh, added to the, to the agenda already, but I'll, I'll go back and look.
6: Thank you. Uh
4: Any other commissioner questions or discussion? I had one, um, if you could do a quick, uh, run through and, and, and Netta already touched on this, but kind of how the California Cincinnati bonus law and the, the IHO go together, how that works together.
2: Well, the, so the IHO as drafted now provides a floor for development projects that they're required to comply with. Um, Those units that are required under the IHO do contribute towards the state density bonus requirements. Um, The effect of that is that essentially any project that's compliant with the IHO is almost certainly going to be compliant with the, are going to qualify for the density bonus.
4: Thank you. Anybody else? City Clerk, do we have any uh, public comment on this item?
3: Thank you, Vice Chair. We have four speakers on this item. Uh, our first speaker is Judy Alexander, followed by Claudia Arman.
0: I just want to say thank you um, to city staff for being willing to share the information about density so that we're all on the same page and for the Planning Commission to understand the importance of the density bonuses in conjunction with the inclusionary housing ordinance so that housing for all people becomes more readily available. Thank you.
4: Thank you.
11: Good evening, I'm Claudia Arman, Ventura resident and Homes for All member. Thanks for providing this training on density bonus law. It's a complex law, but it's uh, emerging as a very useful tool to providing much needed affordable housing. When the council met in February to consider the inclusionary housing ordinance, we heard some of the most compelling testimony I've heard in these chambers from renters who are struggling every day because of the rapidly escalating rents. We heard from children. Who live, whose lives are disrupted as they live in overcrowded homes or have had to leave Ventura for housing their families can afford. So it's really important um, that all of us understand how the law applies. I do have one question. If a developer opts to pay an in-lieu fee instead of building the affordable housing, would the density bonus not apply in that case? Thank you.
3: I Thank you. Our, our next speaker is Amy Sherry, followed by Sonia Flores.
4: Oh, I'm sorry. Can we can we hang just a second? I was going to let this, the attorney answer the yeah. question. Uh,
2: I don't believe the the density the density bonus law does not have an in lieu fee component to it. So, complying with the IHO by submitting or by paying in lieu fees should not make a project eligible for the density bonus.
3: Amy Sherry, if you would like to come up.
4: Hi, I'm Amy. Um, Thanks for for doing this. I've always had so many questions about it. Um, Two quick questions, um, and I'll walk away. Does the density bonus law override um, the Coastal Act? And is the city going to create some sort of um, checklist like to like a how do you know if it could have been built is there like uh, do they submit it first and then they go from that or is there a way to work backwards from their density calculation to what could be built before the density bonus versus after the density bonus if that makes sense
1: uh- if I can jump in here, if we can take all public comment and Vice Chair Loudquist, if you'd like us to respond to any of that public comment when that's done, we're happy to do so. Okay,
12: that's it. Thank you. Thank you.
3: Sonia should be able to unmute yourself.
1: Hello, my name is Sonia Flores, and good evening, planning commissioners. Um, I'm a resident of the City of Ventura, and I'm also a member of Homes for All. And I, I just wanted to uh, to first to thank you on behalf of Homes for All for holding this workshop. We know that State Density Bonus Law is a very valuable tool in the creation of more affordable housing for the city, and we know that there's obviously a great need for uh, the res- the lower income residents of the city to have more access to affordable housing. So just thank you for t- making these efforts just to educate yourself more about the law, the law itself, and just thank you for taking these steps in the right direction. Thank you.
3: Thank you, and that concludes public speaking.
4: So can I open it now for you to answer those questions?
2: Yes. Thank you. Uh, I'll probably defer both of these to a great deal to Ms. Zayer. I I know there's some dispute concerning the Coastal Act. I do know that the uh, Community Development Department has taken steps to um, uh, address uh, the purview of the Coastal Act in in analyzing projects as applied to the density bonus, but I'll let Ms. Sayer speak to that.
1: Um, so I believe there was two questions: um, one about a checklist of of requirements, and then um, another question about the Coastal Act as it relates to density bonus. Um, we do have information. Um, on our web in our municipal code about the requirements of what they have to submit um, in order to uh, provide information for staff on reviewing um, state density bonus law applications. Uh, the law just was updated um, as it relates to um, sites within communities that don't have density associated with it which the city of Ventura has several areas in our community where there is no density prescribed. Um, the state THE STATE HAS PROVIDED MORE CLARITY OF WHAT AN APPLICANT MUST SUBMIT TO THE CITY TO um, PROVIDE FOR ANALYSIS ON THOSE bases. SO THERE IS SOME CLARITY THERE. BUT BASICALLY AN APPLICANT CAN PROVIDE THEIR REQUEST um, FOR WHAT WAIVERS, CONCESSIONS THEY WANT AND WHAT DENSITY THEY'RE APPLYING FOR. THEY DO NOT NECESSARILY NEED TO PROVIDE ANY ANALYSIS THAT SHOWS uh, WHY THEY NEED THAT REQUEST. AGAIN, AS Um, Chris pointed out the burden of proof lies on the city to uh, analyze or provide uh, information that that they are in need of those concessions or waivers. Um, The Coastal Act or the Coastal Commission's objective is to um, protect coastal resources, which is public views and public access to the coast and the beach. Uh, WITHIN THAT PROCESS WE HAVE COASTAL DEVELOPMENT PERMITS THAT ARE LAID OUT BY OUR MUNICIPAL CODE OF WHAT QUALIFIES FOR A COASTAL DEVELOPMENT PERMIT AND um, OUR LCP AND PROJECTS ARE REQUIRED TO PROCESS THOSE COASTAL DEVELOPMENT PERMITS. WITHIN THAT THERE ARE FINDINGS AS IT RELATES TO THOSE COASTAL RESOURCES um, AND THE COASTAL ACT IN TERMS OF PUBLIC ACCESS AND PUBLIC VIEWS YOU WILL SEE THAT IN THE FINDINGS OF PROJECTS THAT ARE WITHIN uh, THE COASTAL ZONE. We provide the information there and analyze um, whether the project would be impacting those coastal resources in terms of public views and public access. And so, when you uh, do see a permit or a coastal development permit come before you, you will see those findings that have more information um, regarding that. They, um, we do require applicants to do view studies uh, showing that uh, the view sheds to the coast from uh, public right-of-ways and uh, more information about how they are uh, improving or would be impacting um, access in terms of sidewalks, pedestrian access, on-street parking, and things of that nature.
4: All right, there uh, that's all, then I think we can close the public comment on that item and move on to our final item, informational item number six. Community Development Department 2022 recap and the 2023 work plan. And I believe Netta is going to be presenting for this one.
1: Yeah, th- thank you, Chair, uh, Vice Chair Request and Planning Commission. I'm not gonna go through the slides that were attached, but I just wanted to make sure I passed this information onto the Planning Commission as it does outline um, what the Community Development Department is going to be working on uh, in this fiscal year as well as Um, some of the major projects that are um, in in works or have applications that are active within the city. Uh, Back when we did goal setting with the city council in December and January, um, we provided this um, packet to, to the city council so they were aware of THE INITIATIVES THAT WERE GOING ON FROM 2022-23 THAT WE'RE CARRYING OVER AND HOW WE WERE um, THE TIMELINES AND HOW THE PROJECT STATUS WAS ON THOSE AS WELL AS LAYING OUT WHAT um, OUR our WHOLE DEPARTMENT WOULD BE WORKING ON. Um, AS YOU CAN SEE, IT PROVIDES INFORMATION ABOUT WHAT EACH DIVISION IN OUR DEPARTMENT IS COMPRISED OF, WHAT THEY WORK ON, uh, THE GOALS THAT THEY HAVE ACCOMPLISHED IN 2022, AND THEN LOOKING uh, FORWARD INTO 2023. Um, some of this stuff has already become, been completed since I am bringing this to you in a little bit of a delay. Uh, basically, the first quarter that outlined what we were going to do in um, the first part of this year in winter, we have um, accomplished most of those tasks. And I will quarterly or um, you know every six months bring an update to the Planning Commission just so you know uh, a little bit more information about what Community Development is working on, and you have a good idea of things that are going to be coming to you in the horizon. Um, as you can see, there's a, there's a lot of initiatives and a lot of projects that are currently being processed by Community Development right now. Um, if you have any specific questions on any of those, happy to answer it. But I just wanted to pass this information on.
4: Thank you. I was having trouble with my mic. Um, Thank you, Netta. Does the commission have any questions or discussion? Yeah.
6: Um, Netta? This is Commissioner Abbey. Just for the benefit of the public, I know it's in the agenda and in the uh, items that were supplied to us, but for the benefit of the public, um, could you, if not, show the slide for quarter two, at least verbally address which projects you're hoping to Uh, tackle as the Community Development Department in quarter two, so April, May, June of this year.
1: Sure. Um, Commissioner Abbey, if you don't mind, I'll just uh, verbally talk through them. Um, Would you like more information from each of the divisions or particularly pertaining to what would be coming to um, Planning Commission?
6: Um, I'm primarily interested in what's coming before the Planning Commission, just so the public's aware.
1: Okay. Um, sure. Happy to answer. The community development Department's working on a form-based code overlay um, as well as several sites that were identified in um, the housing element that were needing to be rezoned to allow housing development there based on the housing element. Um, the form-based code overlay has gone to DRC a couple of times and been uh, released in draft form for the public to review. Um, THAT WILL BE COMING TO uh, THE PLANNING COMMISSION IN THE SECOND QUARTER. AND WHEN I REFERENCE SECOND QUARTER, THOSE ARE THE MONTHS OF uh, APRIL THROUGH JUNE. Um, THERE ALSO IS um, uh, so AN UPDATE THAT YOU, you MAY SEE THIS um, this QUARTER. IT WILL BE AN UPDATE THAT IS PROVIDED TO uh, THE HOPE COMMITTEE, BUT uh, WE WILL TRY TO ALSO PROVIDE AN UPDATE TO Uh, PLANNING COMMISSION IS THE HOMELESSNESS PLAN THAT IS BEING PREPARED. THIS WAS ALSO ANOTHER ITEM THAT WAS IDENTIFIED IN THE HOUSING ELEMENT THAT WILL BE GOING THROUGH THE HOPE AND SOLUTIONS COMMITTEE BUT ALSO BE COMING THROUGH PLANNING COMMISSION um, THAT WILL ULTIMATELY BE GIVING A RECOMMENDATION TO CITY COUNCIL. IT WILL BE IN PROGRESS SO YOU'RE NOT GOING TO SEE IT IN FINAL FORM uh, PROBABLY till TOWARDS THE END OF THE YEAR WHEN THAT'S um, PROJECTED TO BE COMPLETED there are a couple of larger projects that are in um, the process right now Uh, 211 uh, a project that has gone to a couple of drc meetings is um, rounding the corner to come to planning commission Um, there is the anastasi project that has uh, that's over in harvard and seaward that is in the middle of its environmental document if that's completed and prepared that should be coming to planning commission um, Fairly soon as well, um, and then those would be primarily the the larger projects or initiatives that would happen in this quarter.
6: Okay, thank you very much.
4: Any other questions, Commissioner Zucker?
9: Uh, I have a couple questions. Um, uh, first, I, I was curious about there was a uh, uh, this buffer zone ordinance around kind of. Harmful, or you know, or kind of heavy, heavy industrial, or toxic, you know, land uses, uh, you know, within a thousand feet of uh, residential. That Peter had started to work on. Um, it was something that the commission had raised during the streamlining ordinance debate, um, and and that was kind of a project that started to be worked on by community development, and then I think, you know, may have kind of uh, you know been backburnered along the way, but but I. Um, I didn't see it anywhere on the list. Do do we know what the status is of that, or?
1: Thank you, Commissioner Zucker. So a lot of those conversations are happening at the general plan uh, level right now as the land use alternatives and industrial um, land use designations are being drafted and discussed about the west side. Um, so there's a lot of conversation that's occurring right now and happening um, that's going to help shape the kind of how that forms. And it may be that it's policies and actions or, or designations or buffers that are built into the general plan. It may not need a separate ordinance. So as we're working through that, I think we're better analyzing and deciding how that's that's approached. So. Um, I wouldn't say it's quite backburned, but it's rolling into some healthy discussion that's happening at the GPAC level. Uh, and, and, and at that, I'm sorry, Commissioner Zucker, at that point, um, Commissioner Abbey, just to add one other item as that sparked my memory, the, the land use alternatives will be uh, most likely coming to the Planning Commission um, in the second quarter as well for um, discussion and recommendation to the
0: city council.
9: Um, my second question is, it's a little bit related. You know, we had a uh, a very similar presentation, um, you know, given by Peter about a year ago, out, right after we passed the the streamlining ordinance. Uh, you know, with kind of the work plan for the year of the community development department, and um, you know, I, at the time, I, I thought it was really exciting. You know, that the promise was that we've we've done streamlining, and so that we don't have to spend as much staff time on each development permit, um, and that will allow more. Staff time to go to these kind of, I guess you could say, more legislative items, um, you know, like the inclusionary housing ordinance, um, you know, form-based codes, historic context, uh, you know, tenant protections, things like that. Um, you know, and I, I saw here that that um, in the staff report it said you know ninety percent of staff's time is still kind of on development permits, and and you know only ten percent of time is to work on those those other projects. Um, you know, curious, and I know. Even at the time, I think Peter's presentation, I, I thought it was a little bit ambitious, the number of, of uh, legislative projects, but but I think now, a year from now, I, I do feel a little disappointed, to, you know, it, it felt like not very much on that list was accomplished. Um, do you feel like the the streamlining ordinance has, has accomplished that goal of allowing staff to kind of shift staff time towards kind of legislative items um, and and kind of policy items and not be kind of completely bogged down in just development permits
0: thank you for the
1: question commissioner zucker um i think it's important to note, and i think even with those those presentations that were done at the time um that uh you know former director Gilly did talk about that those things could be accomplished when we're fully staffed and the um community development has Struggled like many other community development departments across the state um, with with key positions. Uh, we've been half staffed in the planning de- division of of our department for almost two years now. We've hired on some new planners that have just begun work that can um, kind of bolster some of the capacity there. But it, uh, given we were half staffed, the focus was processing development applications because we have no control over how many applications are received and given all of the state laws and mandates we are required to respond to those in 30 days uh, and giving the present the um, pressing urgency of getting those reviewed and commented so that the city's interests and requirements are met that is where a lot of the time has uh, been focused in planning uh, though you haven't seen many of the initiatives come before you yet, there has been a tremendous amount of work that's being done behind the scenes. The general plan update is taking a tremendous amount of um, my, my time and resources and, resource and, and is a huge effort. Um, so is the form-based code overlay, the rezone sites, and the housing element certification, which are still going on behind the scenes, um, that I... I am probably the key staff working on all of those. And then at the same time, our housing services division is starting on the implementation of the housing element. They've applied for several grants and have been awarded them um, and started key projects, the homelessness plan. So there is a lot going on behind the scenes. They just aren't quite ready yet to come to the hearing process. But you should see a lot of them as laid out in this work plan rolling out in the next um, five or six months.
9: Um, you know, my final question, I, I, I really appreciate that, that you know, staff's got a lot on their plate, um, but I, I'm continuing to be concerned, and, you know, uh, I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but around the, the you know, tenant protections uh, ordinance, um, you know, it's now been kind of pushed back several years in a row, and it's just um, really is a crisis for so many people in our city, and I feel like in, in many ways, although so many of these items are... are important um you know it's it's one that just that the timeliness of it really matters that that uh, an ordinance like that being moved from you know 2021 to 2022 or 2022 to 2023 or 2023 to 2024 can mean the displacement of you know hundreds of people in our community um who might otherwise be protected and and stay in their homes and you know even even just in the last you know planning commission meeting where where we approved a project that that you know, essentially eliminated 10 units of housing and, you know, and displaced 30, 30, you know, uh, households. Um, you know, I, I just want to know if there's any way that we can move that up and, you know, have a, have a couple suggestions around, you know, a, a, uh, you know, I, I personally would love to see it prioritized over form based codes and, you know, historic context. Um, you know, I also think there's, there's a lot of now multiple of our, of our neighboring cities, uh, both Oxnard and Ojai have passed tenant protection ordinances. Um, and I think it could save a lot of staff time to kind of take a template of, of those ordinances, either to you know, pass as an interim until we have time to figure out something you know, more customized to our city, um, or, or to do, you know, I think Ojai got theirs done pretty quickly because they basically just passed Oxnard's ordinance, swapped out, Oxnard for Ohio, you know, changed a couple, you know, other things, right? And, and I, I think there's a way to do something like this to get some relief for people that doesn't take as much staff time, and, and so I want to know if there's any way that that's possible. Um,
1: Commissioner Zucker, these conversations were had at council's goal setting. Um, uh, the council goal setting is the forum where council does prioritize the goals of the work plans of what's done in that year, and then staff then works on those items. We are going to be hard pressed to get through all of the goals that we do initiatives we have on our plate for this year. Um, It would be council who would need to provide direction for moving prioritization or adding anything else on their plate. If council wanted to prioritize working on tenant protections uh, this year uh, we could have that discussion at the council meeting and my recommendation would be that send something else needs to come off the plate. There is no staff capacity to add an additional item beyond what we are working on currently.
9: Thank you. That's all my questions.
4: Thank you. Does anyone else have any questions for staff?
0: Uh, One question for Netta. What I hear Netta is um, staffing capacities and and staffing um, levels continue to be a serious threat to our ability to achieve a lot of the things that we want to get done. Is there anything
4: we can do to help support you in that? Conversations we can have with uh, the folks we represent um, and how we can help um, put the word out for you of your, to help support your organization.
1: Um, thank you, Commissioner I, I This would be the timely opportunity as City Council is discussing the budget um to be able to increase capacities in community development and i think this is you know a um, long-standing staffing resource challenge in community development even before my time um, to have additional allocation of staff resources if there are additional key things that the the council and community want to see um, if the commission thinks that is important these things that are important to address um, that would be something to bring up to City Council as they talk about budget and staffing resources um, for this next fiscal year
0: Thank you
4: Thank you anyone else okay. City clerk do we have any public comment for this item?
3: Thank you vice chair. We have three speakers Our first speaker is Lucia Marquez followed by Judy Alexander.
12: Good evening, Planning Commissioners. My name is Lucia Marquez. I'm the Associate Policy Director with CAUSE. You know, After reviewing the Community Development Department's work plan for 2023, really hard not to feel deep disappointment seeing that um, tenant protections being recommended to be pushed back yet again. Um, you know, it was in 2019 that we released a report about the housing crisis in Ventura and Santa Barbara counties where 43% of renters that we surveyed had drastic rent increases. Um, 75% of the renters that we surveyed experienced unsafe living conditions. That was back in 2018 when those people were surveyed. In 2021, the Ventura County Civic Alliance released a report showing that rent has increased over 71% since 2007, um, where it was really in 2015 when those drastic increases started to happen. and it was a year ago when the Casa de Pueblo tenants <laughs> became the victims of unjust rent evictions here in our city. Um, and even right now, rents could legally increase by 10%. That's insane, That's in the, like, our tenants in our city are rent burdened. No one deserves to have to pay over 30% of their income to go towards rent, having to sacrifice childcare, healthcare, healthy food. It's clear that we're living in a housing crisis where it's continuing to get worse and worse. Um, And the question that I wonder is, how much more does the community have to suffer before tenant protections becomes a priority for our city? Is it gonna take 10, 20, 50, hundreds of families to be displaced from their homes before our city decides to take action and makes this a priority? If we wait until 2024, we're gonna lose so much more of our community. I understand that, um, you know, a lot of the plans laid out in the work plan are really important, like the homeless plan, homelessness prevention plan, uh, finalizing the inclusionary housing. um, Also really appreciated the the density training law. Um, All of that is going to create new housing for low-income families and really create a plan to end homelessness throughout our city. Uh, Undoubtedly important things. Um, but tenant protections will keep people housed. Um, these are preventative policy solutions um, to the housing crisis that cost our city zero dollars but impact so many immediately. Um, I, I hope that our planning commissioners could use the power that they have to really push our city council and talk to them and tell them this needs to be a priority today. Um, please don't let them push this back. We need to take action now. Thank you.
3: Thank you, our next speaker is Judy Alexander.
0: Hi, and I forgot to tell you last time that I represent the Ventura Social Service Task Force in cooperation with Homes for All, because we are incredibly concerned about housing. The City Council did pass a housing element that had dealing and addressing tenant protections in 2023 It cannot be changed. As I work with the unhoused in our community, many, and I don't have the exact number, but the largest percentage of the newly unhoused are people who could no longer afford to live where they have been living for years because of the percentage of rent increase. Most of those people are seniors I'm really tired of seeing 70, 80, and 90 year olds being pushed to the street because there's no protection for them, because we have no just cause, because we have nothing to begin the discussion. This is a very complex issue. It's not one that you can just snap your finger. However, both the federal government and the state have now produced guidelines for tenant rights, landlord rights, and protections for tenants, I wanna keep people housed. I'm on the board of the Homeless Prevention Fund and those that we're helping are now spending 50 to 70% of their income on rent alone, not utilities, not food, nothing else but basic rent. If we really want to have a homeless strategy, we cannot separate addressing issues of homelessness from addressing in it issues that affect the tenants that live in our community and the families and individuals they represent. Please encourage our very hardworking community development staff, and they are working very hard, and I am very much behind them and support them, that this needs to go back to a 2023 and not keep being pushed down the road. It is imperative, and I appreciate your support and your willingness to speak out.
3: Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker is George Amendola, followed by Carol Spector.
10: Hi, good evening everyone. I just wanted to uh, first start out by saying welcome, Commissioner Busa. It's nice to see you. And uh, I want to also speak about the STVR slide that was in the Planning Commission deck earlier. And as I was in with the other meeting earlier, I missed on the presentation, but I just wanted to confirm something for the record, if I may, is, is now the STVR issue becoming a planning commission issue, or is this something still directed to be brought back to council by the city attorney? Is this becoming a planning commission issue? And the reason I'm asking that question is because of the slide presentation that was put forth by Ms. Zayer. Um, My next item was we're all aware that, I think we're all aware, that the city of Huntington Beach is under a lot of pressure from Governor Newsom about uh, their housing element and compliance with RENA. Um, Congressman Carbajal just stated uh, in the other room that he believes the state is being heavy-handed, if not punitive, to local jurisdictions in compliance with housing and RENA. So I'm wondering, you know, not everybody in the city wants to see the city overbuilt. Council is following through with a policy following RENA. Will the Planning Commission ever come back with a recommendation to try to separate from the requirements of Rena? Uh Thank you very much.
3: Thank you, our next speaker is Carol Spector. Carol, you should be able to unmute yourself.
5: Hi, you can hear me, yes?
3: Uh, it's a little soft.
5: Oh, all right. Uh... I'll just speak louder. Um, It's so interesting. Uh, Thank you, Commissioner Zucker for raising um, the issue that I was gonna talk about. It's my understanding and my concern that the Tenant Protection Act that was passed uh, last year in 2023 is being put off until 2024. Um, And I know it's not a Planning Commission uh, issue exactly. It was the city council but I'm so concerned I wanted to talk about it. This is desperately needed. I'm a homeowner, so I'm safe, but I see my neighbors being displaced. Um, A lot of buildings are being bought by developers. They're kicking people out and fixing the building up a little bit and raising the rents. The Tenant Protection Act, I think provided some protections, two months rent, permits had to be filed before people can move out, and it must be proven that people need to move out. Um, I really hope that this takes place this year because there's a lot of development going on and a lot of people are losing their homes. Thank you.
3: Thank you, and that concludes our public speakers.
4: Thank you. I will close the public comments session on uh, this informational item. And I think that concludes our informational items. So I'm going to open it up for any staff communication. Um, Can I ask a question? Log- sure. Oh, yes. oh Can yes. I'm sorry. Do we have questions? Yes, I'm sorry. Any deliberation? Um,
6: would the assistant uh, city attorney be able to answer uh, the, that one question that came forward?
0: Please. Commissioner
1: Abby, do you mind if I sign in here
6: oh absolutely that would be great
1: um I just want to clarify because I feel like I've created some confusion um this item was to share information that we had given to Council in December and January this information hasn't been updated since that time which is why um I didn't want to confuse by having shared with all of the other boards and Council different information that I shared with planning commission um, during goal setting city council did want stvrs to continue and did ask the city attorney's office in collaboration with the city manager's office to continue work on the stvr ordinance um, that's not something community development is working on but it is still something that is being worked on in the city um, I also do want to clarify that there was a um, uh, director Gilly did work on a uh, TENANT PROTECTION um, ORDINANCE THAT DID GO INTO EFFECT IN THE PAST THAT SPECIFICALLY OUTLINED SOME OF THE the STUFF, uh, THE ITEMS THAT WERE DISCUSSED THAT IS IN PLACE AND THEN THE IDEA WAS THAT FUTURE ten A MORE ROBUST, PUBLICLY ENGAGED, um, AS uh, ONE OF THE PUBLIC SPEAKERS SAYS, THIS IS A VERY um, uh, COMPLEX TOPIC uh, TO ALLOW FOR THOSE DISCUSSIONS TO HAPPEN AS A MORE a larger ordinance was prepared so um that was something that is being done in 2024 it is not being worked on in 2023 so i just wanted to to clarify those few items
4: commissioner abby did that answer all your questions
6: i don't there was one question and i'm sorry i'm i didn't write it down there was one question that one of the audience members asked and i wanted to know if the city's attorney's office had any response to that particular question.
2: I'm sorry, I'm not sure which, which question you're referring to. He, All right,
4: he uh, asked, I believe, about the STVR, but he also asked about Reina and how that was going to be addressed.
2: I, I'm definitely not in a position to answer that question right now.
4: Any other discussion or deliberation from the commission? all right now I will close that informational <laughs> sorry about that Commissioner Abby um, and and we'll open up for any staff communication
1: thank you vice chair Log request just that we have our regularly scheduled Planning Commission meeting of April 26 that is um, scheduled and will be the next time the Planning Commission meets thank you so much for accommodating a special meeting I thank the Commission for taking an additional evening to to talk about these items as um, staffing allows and, and um, we're able to, we will provide more state law updates, particularly to the state laws um, that the commission interacts with the most. Uh, most likely the next one would be regarding SB 330 as that does um, affect pretty much every land use entitlement that includes housing. And that's all the communications that I have.
4: Thank you, Netta. And I, I would just like to um, reciprocate the appreciation for putting together the staff reports for all of this information. I think it's really critical for the commission as we move forward. And with that, oh yes, go ahead. I have a question
6: for director. Um, could you give us a little update uh, or at least an announcement on GPAC? Uh, where, what areas of the city are gonna be brought up? And uh, I believe that meeting is this coming week on the 18th, is that correct?
1: Thank you, Commissioner Abbey. Uh, n- next Tuesday will be the meeting, uh, the regularly scheduled meeting of the GPAC. Uh, it's in the community meeting room at 6 p.m. Uh, the areas that will be discussed will be all the remaining areas which um, will continue discussion on Johnson Drive that uh, we were to circle back on. Um, the Arendale area um, five points we have not discussed yet. Um as well as any outstanding questions that were remnant from the previous meetings um, are going to be discussed at that meeting.
0: Okay. The thank agenda
1: you. for that. Oh I'm sorry, Commissioner. No, go, go right I ahead. Just, I was just gonna note the agenda packet for that will be posted tomorrow.
6: Thank you very much.
4: All right, with any further discussion? Okay. So do I adjourn? then I adjourn the meeting oh no good okay so I'll adjourn the meeting of April 12th appreciate your advice time
1: thank you